Welcome to AAF District Forecast, the show that puts you in touch with advertising leaders, emerging talent, and industry news from across Florida and the Caribbean. And now, here are your hosts, District 4 Governor John Ruff and Communications Co-Chair Jacob Edenfield. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the AAF District Forecast. My name is John Ruff, and I'll be your co-host. We are so excited to bring you this monthly podcast to spotlight the ad industry in the state of Florida and the Caribbean, update you on district news and events, and spotlight future talent. With that being said, let's get to the news. July 1st marks the official start date of the 2021-2022 board year. I am humbled and excited to serve as your governor for District 4 with some pretty cool things in store for the year. We have a brand new website that you can peruse at aafdistrict4.org. We have this podcast to bring you all things advertising in the region. And here in the month of July, about 15 club leaders from all over Florida will head to Safety Harbor, Florida for our leadership weekend. This is where we get together and make plans for the year, share thoughts and ideas, and serve all of our amazing presidents the information they need to have a successful board year. Something new for the district that started a few months ago is our monthly attitude. It's a free monthly event that you can take advantage of virtually with topics ranging from diversity and inclusion, AI, and so forth. Make plans July 22nd for this month's monthly attitude. Find out more at our AAF District 4 Facebook page and at our website, aafdistrict4.org. And last but not least, we are nearing the end of the call for entries period for the Angel Awards. If you or an agency or a vendor or a boutique firm or anyone you know has done amazing public service advertising, then you need to enter the Angel Awards. Call for entries end July 30th, and you can get tons more information at the end of this podcast where I interview Angel Award Chair Mike Weber. And now, here's my co-host, Jacob Edenfield and agency owner, Troy Dunn. Hey, everybody. Jacob Edenfield here. I'm joined this month by Troy Dunn of Dunn & Company over in Tampa. We're going to talk a little bit about the agency and some of their recent award wins. How's it going, Troy? It's going great, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. So yeah, actually, first question, Troy, would love to hear about the work um, that went to this year's show. Well, it started you know, at the local level, like all the Addies do. And we submitted quite a bit of work for different clients. And then from the local level, it went to the regional level. And it always gets pared down, as it always does. And uh, I guess the cream of the crop rose to the surface. And then uh, recently, we were just notified that we had four entries win national Addies. But we don't know what exactly they won yet. That won't be announced until the actual show. But most of that work at national was done for our client, the Tampa Bay Lightning, for whom we're very proud to work with and we've worked with for 10 years now. Well, that is wonderful. Let me ask you a little bit about one piece of work that sounds incredible. If you could talk about the campaign that you created to help local restaurants in the Tampa area during the pandemic. You know, when the pandemic hit, everybody was filled with such uncertainty about what was going to happen. And probably no industry got more press than the restaurant industry that was just getting hammered because governments across the country were declaring them closed for good reason. But those restaurant owners just, what are they going to do? And they they all pivoted to carry out and take out. But that was, for most of them, a small percentage of what business they'd become accustomed to when people walked in. So we just put our heads together and wanted to give back in 
some way because when I opened Dun & Company 18 years ago, my very first client was Firehouse Subs. And Firehouse Subs out of Jacksonville then spawned a dozen more restaurant clients over the last 18 years. So we feel uh, an affinity towards that industry and we definitely wanted to figure out how could we help them. And so we, we created this initiative called Creative Carryout. And Creative Carryout was just our saying to the local Tampa Bay restaurants, what can we do to help you? Can we make a logo for you? Can we create uh, and design a menu for you? Can we shoot some video for you? Can we create a social content for you in the form of maybe photographs of your of your favored menu items? And so over the course of several, several weeks, even more than a month, we shot food photography for so many restaurants you wouldn't believe. And you know what you come to realize is most restaurants are fairly mom and pop. They have very limited resources, how to promote themselves. And so, you know, we just asked them to bring whatever menu items they wanted to showcase down to our our offices in Ybor City. And we shot hundreds of photos for them. We delivered those to them for no charge. We've retouched them or color corrected them if necessary. And then they proceeded to use them on their social channels. And we had such positive feedback because this is just, these were, these were people that were hurting and anything to help promote revenue for them was was just a big deal. And I'm just very, very proud of the fact that uh, my team came up with this idea and I was 100% behind it. And um, just the support that it gave the community was was enormous. And we, you know, we're glad that we were able to pitch in. And I, I think there's a lot of our colleagues who were doing the same thing during the during the pandemic. Yeah. And it's always nice to hear about uh, the industry giving back to the surrounding community. You mentioned something, Troy, that I, I wanted to follow up on about um, this idea kind of coming organically up through your team. Talk a little bit about kind of where it came from and how it started and, and what those conversations were. I'm curious. At the onset of the pandemic, you were just reading some very bleak numbers about the restaurant industry. So, you know, the way it came about was our creative team realizing that we have, if not an obligation, we have an opportunity to our community to try to help them. What what can we as an ad agency do, um, given our resources, to, to give back? And this was just a natural way to do it. And we could have chosen in any industry, but because we have restaurant clients now, you know, we work with Checkers and we work with Smoky Bones and we've worked with them for so long, we just thought that's kind of a natural industry. And, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about the Tampa Bay Lightning work that we had done. You know, there's a similar line of thinking there with like, how can we connect this community? The Tampa Bay Lightning work that we won for with the, from the Addies um, at the local, regional, and, and national level, it all had to do with reacting to the pandemic and recognizing, okay, Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup last year. That's, that's a generational event for many markets, but we couldn't be there. We couldn't go to the game. They did it up in Canada. Um, how can we galvanize our community as we were going for the cup to feel like that they were present? And on the flip side, how can the team um, leave you know, a mark here in the community as they're traveling basically abroad because they went to Canada. And we came up with this idea called Be the Distant Thunder. And so we came up with this idea of cutting a piece of the actual glass off of the Amelie Arena Tampa Bay Lightning hockey rink, creating an event at the arena where people came down, correctly masked, correctly socially distanced, and they all signed the glass. And then we went through the tremendous obstacles, as you can probably imagine, but we successfully got that piece of glass installed on the rink that the Tampa Bay Lightning were competing on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
up in up in Canada. And that was just amazing that our team knew that their fans were with them in spirit and with them here in their signatures and their expressions of, of fandom and support on this glass. And and what we also did was the players then also signed a piece of glass from Amelie Arena. And we had that installed at the hospital here in Tampa. And so the, the caregivers who were fighting on our behalf and helping us get through the pandemic could see that the, that the players that were playing for the cup up in Toronto were also so here in spirit and wishing them well on their endeavor to help the Tampa Bay citizens get through the pandemic. And it was that idea of be the distant thunder and using this glass as a bridge. You know, the glass is something that typically separates all of us. We were using the glass during the pandemic to separate ourselves for health reasons from each other. And what we did was found a way to take that same glass that was separating us and we used it as a bridge to combine or to bring together the fans and the team. And that is the concept that has won uh, it won best of show here at the local Addies and went on to do quite well at the regional Addies and it has now uh, been recognized as some exceptional work at the national Addies and we're very very proud of not only that accolade of winning that but we're just very proud to have pulled all this off and what it meant for the Tampa Bay community and all of the fans who support the Lightning. Well Troy it has been a joy talking to you this month. I have one last question for you. You guys have been an entrant in the American Advertising awards for many years and a multi-award winner. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the role that the American Advertising Awards plays for your business. The thing about the Addies that I think is often overlooked is that because it's the largest ad award show in the world at over 40,000 entries, it is a three-tier process. You're having to get through three different types of judges. You know, when you go to these other award shows, there's just one judging panel. Now, it's true that the judges at those panels are probably esteemed and revered creatives from very large agencies, but still, they only have one perspective. You know, they, like, they only have one measurement or rule of what is considered good work. When you, when you go to the Addies, the American Advertising Awards, you're starting at the local level and you're, you're having to get past a certain mindset of award of, of judges and then you go to the regional level that's totally different judges so what might have killed it at the local awards might die at the regional awards before it even gets a chance to go to the national awards and I think what makes the the Addies such a good and and powerful and relevant and necessary award show is that not only does it give local creatives and smaller agencies the opportunity to be recognized for good work and not spend the bank on it. But it's also the fact that if your creative gets through to the national level and wins, it means that you just had to go through a gauntlet that even the very large global awards are not having to go through. Because it's just, like I said, it's just one award panel. It's only one judging panel. And I just think that it's very unique that the Addies has this three-tier system. Um, it means that like, by the time you win a national award, you've deserved it because you've gotten through like a lot of different types of judging. And these judges who come to these shows, they all have different skill sets. They all care about different things. But if you can create work that gets through all the levels, then your work has really lifted itself up in a way that I think is very unique. 
And so the Addies for me has been, I, I've supported the Addies for almost all of my 18 years. There might've been two years that I, I took a break for them, but they have, they have always been something that I thought was very helpful to my organization. And that gives a morale boost to my teams um, to recognize the really good work that they're doing. And as we get through that gauntlet from local to regional to national, and if you can make it through it, it just is, is just a great recognition for the people on my staff. And it's wonderful recognition for our clients who know that that's that's great work. Um, nobody doesn't want to win a lion or a Clio or a pencil or a, a D and D or a New York festival. Those are also great award shows, but they're all quite different than the Addies because of the three tier system. And I I just think the Addies are providing an invaluable service by doing what they're doing. Thank you so much, Troy. This was an absolute joy, and I really appreciated the chance to meet you. And thank you for being on our inaugural episode. My pleasure, Jacob. Thank you so much for the chance, and enjoy the rest of your week. Okay. You too. Take care. Take care now. Bye-bye. If you've been to an AAF District 4 Addy Gala in the past few years, you may have noticed that the event has grown dramatically from, yeah, I might go, to an absolute must-attend event for our industry. And I'm happy to interview the man responsible for the growth of the gala, D4 Gala Chair Yashman Dayan. Yeah. Is that all I am to you? An Addy Gala Chair? There's so much more to me. Hmm. That remains to be seen. Hmm. What was the first Addy Gala you attended? Well... There are those who say I was at the very first Addy Gala in 1960, but alas, I was not. That is, that is mere lore. My first gala was, I can't quite remember if it was 2004 or 2005, but it would have been one of those years, and it was at the Gateway Grand in Gainesville, Florida, at the, uh, the Best Western Gateway Grand, right by Santa Fe College in Gainesville while I was still a student at the University of Florida. Uh, John, you know that because you were there too. Who, me? You were there. I think you're the one who invited me to it. What stuck out to you about the event? Oh, just how many awards you were winning. Come on. I think it was more just like how exciting it was to be in a room full of people in advertising. I didn't realize that this industry was so uh, networked, I think, at the time. I didn't realize how much people in advertising like to get together with other people in advertising and talk about advertising. Uh, So at the time, I was probably more just amazed that, A, you could get awards for making ads and be um, that seemingly everybody in the room knew each other and there were all these inside jokes and, you know, it was just like a really good time. When did you decide to become gala chair and why? Well, the the official reason is because Mara told me that I was going to be her gala chair. She didn't ask. Uh, Mara is a past district governor uh, a few years back. But um, I think that I had just gotten to a point where some of the galas that I had gone to for the district weren't up up to a standard that I thought they should be at. I thought we should be doing a lot more. I have learned a lot about district galas across the nation since I took the mantle. Um, But I will tell you that the District 4 Gala is by far the best district gala in the nation, hands down. And I, I don't know in terms of numbers how it stacks up against uh, some of the larger local shows in terms of how many people actually come to the gala. But, you know, it's one of the largest galas in the country. Uh, and that I can say with certainty. It's definitely one of the largest galas in the country. And, and the goal is to make it the biggest the biggest gala in, the, in America, um, short of the national show. Uh, so we, we're trying to turn this thing into, into something really, really special. And being that the American Advertising Awards started right here in the 4th District, I think it's very fitting that the 4th District should also have uh, the biggest gala right here. 
So when you first took over the role, what struck you? What was what was eye-opening for you? I mean, obviously I had been a club president and I knew what was involved in in putting on a show. I think maybe it was surprising the the amount of folks that really wanted to get involved in it. Uh, I think for a long time running the gala was seen as kind of maybe not like the f- most fun job. Uh, maybe something that was um, kind of tough to get people to sign up to do. Man, once you put some wheels in motion and you start showing people or telling people about the vision you have for what could be done, it's kind of amazing how quickly uh, not just volunteers but also entrants uh, wanted to start attending the gala. We, we've grown our attendance. Um, let me see. This is my fourth year running the gala. Obviously, we, we didn't have a phys- in-person gala the last two years. So the first two years, uh, we grew our attendance, I think, 20% in that first year and then 25% in the second year. So the attendance numbers are, you know, at least up until the pandemic, were in sharp uh, increase. And uh, we expect that next year we'll see another uh, very sharp increase. And I think that that was the thing to me that was most surprising because I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe folks just don't want a district gala. Maybe folks don't want to come out. But once we start really looking at the audience of folks and, and explaining to them how big, how exciting, how cool the district gala is, and then also how it sparks uh, a genuine sense of competition between the chapters, uh, you know, all with the goal of, of elevating advertising in Florida and the Caribbean. Once we explain that, we found that it was very actually easy to get more folks to come out. So you've been doing this for a while now. What are some of the trends that you're starting to see in the competition? You know, I, I say that our entrants are getting a little bit more savvy about what to enter and how to enter to leverage more wins for their work. Uh, so we're definitely seeing more and more entrants are entering pieces across multiple categories, something that maybe was an execution for television, but also had digital components or entering pieces of things into elements of advertising. It's It's been interesting because I think that was one of the things that we started focusing on a few years ago is, uh, and you guys have probably seen that all the different, you know, uh, videos and tutorials that will go into the individual markets and start like teaching folks about like, hey, this is how you can rack up more wins. That's one of the bigger trends is we're seeing more folks sort of leveraging the same work into multiple categories. Particularly with elements of advertising. It's easy. It's easier to do it that way, especially if you've got a piece. Yeah. And we all have it, right? Where maybe uh, something you were really proud of and and then maybe the client overdirected it or something, but there's still elements within it. Maybe it didn't come out the way you wanted it to, but there are elements within it that you're very, very proud of. So it's like, well, maybe I won't enter the whole piece, but I could enter it specifically for, you know, video editing or sound design or photography. Or unfortunately, it is sort of the nature of <laughs> advertising that we get we get clients who overdirect our work sometimes, and you know, you can't enter stuff that didn't actually air. So, you know, putting stuff in elements of advertising is one great way to still give recognition to team members who put a really, really, really great job behind something where maybe you feel like the project as a whole isn't going to perform well. So without giving away too much, what are your plans for the future? The gala this year is going to be... I've already said this out loud, so um, I'm not giving anything away. It's going to be the best district gala ever. I mean, and I don't mean that in the silly, like, best, you know, best gala ever. I mean, like, no, legitimately, we're working on multiple facets of this gala to make it better 
from objectively every perspective. So we're putting a lot of resources and time into bolstering entry numbers uh, at the very early part of, of the year so that we can have a bigger show with more representation from across the district. We are working on uh, in- increasing student involvement within the gala and around the gala events. So we're partnering with university programs across the state to get more kids engaged and actually attending and networking and bringing their skill sets to the gala to both volunteer and and help with the show, but also to um, hopefully get them jobs and stay in the market. We are focusing on how to increase value to the entrance. So putting together um, packages for winners that will allow them to promote their wins more easily, to leverage their wins into more work, uh, to increase opportunities for teams to bond when they come out to the gala, which is a big thing that I think people forget about when, when a whole team comes out to a gala together and they win awards together, um, you know, it validates what they do together. And so we're working on more opportunities uh, for that. We're obviously going to be stepping up show production value like we've been doing every year for the last four years. Um, we're working on a lot of things. So when I say best gala ever, it's not just, you know, slightly better rubber chicken dinner. It's actually tangibly specific things that we're working on that will make this the best gala that I'm going to say you've ever been to. Yeah. How do people get a hold of you, Yash? Why would I want people to get a hold of me, John? I'm going to give you my personal email address. So I, uh, so John, as you might know, I work, uh, at Push Button Productions. What? And you might know that because you and I are business partners. What? But, uh, my email address is Yash. It's Y-E-O-S-H at pushbuttonproductions.com. That is the best way to get a hold of me. But, you know, if you have questions about how to enter, I would aim those to the competition chair. That is Tiffany L. Ryan. I won't give out her email address, but Tiffany Ryan, you can email me and I will forward you to her. I will say one thing that you guys can expect this year is that we're going to start promoting entries very early. Uh, We want you guys to start thinking about entering the award show as early as October. Uh, there's no reason why you can't. Uh, there's always a last minute rush that first week of January to get stuff in, but we really want to encourage folks to start entering in October, getting the bulk of your entries in. If there's some stuff, you know, some work that you guys get done later in the year, you need to enter at the end. That's cool. But there are representatives in all of your local markets that are willing to meet with you, sit down with you, get online with you, help you figure out the entry process, which is getting easier and easier every year uh, as the technology gets better. But entering early, entering often, uh, making sure you're putting stuff in the right categories. Those are the big takeaways. Cool. Thanks, Yash. You are welcome. And now I'm going to hand it back over to Jacob. So this month I'm here with James Coquero. He is the designer at University of Miami's Orange Umbrella Student Consultancy, who's helping us design the logo for AAF District Forecast. How's it going, James? It's going pretty well. How are you? I'm doing great. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit. We just got off a call to go through your initial mood boards. What's next for you when designing this logo? So after our mood board talk, uh, we picked a direction of where we want to take our logo and After this, I'll probably start to sketch out on paper about, I'd say, 50 concepts of the logo to try to get all of my creative juices out of my head at once. And then after sketching those 50 
concepts, I want to take aspects from each of those concepts into a logo that I think will fit the project perfectly. That would be all in black and white as advice from you. <laughs> and then after that, uh, we're going to pick a color palette that will really showcase the atmosphere that we want to go for. And then the final product will be made. And that's how it happens, folks. <laughs> now, James, you said something that I think would surprise a lot of people who've maybe not gone through a logo design process before, but it seems pretty spot on to me that when you're doing your initial exploration, you're looking at 50 some odd ideas. People may find that surprising, but can you talk about why that's important for your process? Yeah, so being at University of Miami, my first advertising class, we actually learned about this whole idea process. I didn't personally understand it at the beginning. I just thought, what was the point of that? It's a waste of time. But after having check-ins with my professors and actually doing I think over 150 concepts in over three phases, I learned that it is so important to just put all your ideas on paper because there's definitely some points in it, the design process where you look back on those ideas and you're like, oh, I didn't see that before or, oh, I didn't remember that I thought about that. And it's like those like hidden gems are so important because that what makes a great logo. It's called like creative vomit, I think my professor used. But this like creative vomit, you're able to find these small pieces from a lot of them and then put them together to make such a unique logo. So that's, I think, one of the most important ways of designing anything, I think, not just logos. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would love any advice. So you said you had that experience in one of your first art direction and design classes. So I teach the copywriting and concepts introductory class. And every single semester, I have students' eyes go wide when I tell them for every brief we do in this class, you need to be coming up with a 50, 100 ideas of how you could tackle that. They, they don't believe me. <laughs> you know, so, well, tell me, when, it, when, it, when did it click for you that, oh, there's a process for this. There's a reason you want to get all this stuff on paper. Yeah, it's actually really funny because what my professor said is always carry some sort of writing utensil and a piece of something that you can write on wherever you go. And I was actually working on a project for that class, my final exam, and we had to do one of these creative vomit sessions. And it's actually funny because the idea that I ended up choosing was created in the shower. I was soaking wet and I got out of the shower just to write down this idea that I had for the project. And my professor ended up loving it. And I ended up choosing that concept for the project. I've got a pro tip for you. Get a couple of dry erase markers <laughs> to keep in the bathroom with you. That's what I've started doing. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to keep uh, the, um, the lines between a shower and work a little bit more structured, but I'll definitely uh, look into it. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I've been doing this for <laughs> 16 years now, and I haven't found a way to separate the two yet. So <laughs> if you find one, let me know. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, AF chose to work with Orange Umbrella for this branding assignment because you guys are a full-fledged student agency, a student consultancy. But for folks who may not be familiar with Orange Umbrella, could you just give us the spiel? Let us know about who Orange Umbrella is. Yeah, so Orange Umbrella is completely student run and it's just an amazing education beyond the classroom. But it is, in my opinion, so much more. It's like a full-blown internship inside of UM. 
it deals with real world clients that we get through our website or through social media. Because it really functions like an agency. You guys have all the parts and pieces, maybe with the exception of media buying, that you'd have at any full service agency. We definitely have different departments that we work for. I work for a few of them. I work for the creative department. I work for the social department. But there's also PR. There's business management. There's analytics. There's so many different students that come together from different spectrums of the college major list. And we work together as a team to provide for our our clients. And it's just an amazing way for just OU to be an experience for the students. So James, one of the things that we want to cover on AAF District Forecast is emerging trends, emerging trends within the industry. And in my experience, oftentimes those trends get spotted first by emerging designers like you. So tell us, old folks, what are some of the trends that you have seen that we might not have caught wind of yet? Um, A specific trend that is coming around that a lot of people like to do is the portrait outlines of if you have like a selfie or a portrait people would outline them and make it so it's like a faceless portrait but it's all done in illustrator and it looks really professional and clean and it's a unique way to have a selfie but created by by the pen tool basically and i think that's like one of my favorite trends going around um that just to see the design that people or how people Uh, adapt that trend to their specific selfie, which is really cool. So is that taking a photograph into Illustrator using the detect edges and turning it into paths and then refining it with the pen tool? So you kind of have a line work illustration of your own face? Well, actually, what you do is you take the, the, the picture and you actually blur it so you can see the different layers of light in the photo. And then you actually take the pen tool and you outline each layer so it all comes together into like one photo that you drew by layer by layer. It's really like the way that the light is um, layered onto the photo. You can see the, the waves of the light in the photo, which is actually really cool. It's a, it's a really interesting process. That's cool. You're going to have me Googling uh, Illustrator how-tos after this. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll send you a video. Let me ask you this, James. Prior to starting this project and when we got in touch with you, did you know about AAF? Yeah, so on campus, we have Ad Group, which is actually like the student version of AAF. It's like a subsection of AAF, I think. And I'm actually part of Ad Group as well. It's a club on campus, which goes around to different advertising agencies and kind of gives us like a little tour of the agency. And like the the founders talk to us and the workers talk to us about how the life is in that agency. But um, besides that, like there's also um, NSAC as well that uh, I was thinking about taking in the fall. You just mentioned two kind of pillar programs that AAF has for students. We've got student clubs at a lot of the universities throughout the state. And then we also have INSAC that you mentioned is the National Student Advertising Competition, both of which are long-running AAF initiatives. I guess my follow-up question for you, James, what do you think that we as an organization could do better to reach students? As a student thinking about advertising, I think that we automatically go to our student organizations and we don't really take the time to 
kind of like look into the organizations off campus that deal with advertising. So a lot of this like ad group and NSAC, you find out through your professors, you find out uh, word of mouth for the students. But I feel like besides those outlets to AAF, AAF hasn't advertised to the university as like a whole. I feel like if AAF came out and said like, oh, University of Miami, we have this amazing program and kind of sent a word to like the president or send a word to a department or a college and said like, oh, spread this word out. Like it would be more of um, a, a reaching out to the student rather than the student kind of hearing about it themselves. I think like that would be the one thing I'd say that AEF has to work on with that. But I'm so glad that the organizations I'm a part of are actually a part of AAF. Uh, let me ask you this last question, James. So you're uh, going into your senior year at University of Miami. What do you want to do after you graduate? What's your kind of hopes and aspirations? Honestly, right now, I don't know. Uh, definitely going into the scene of art direction or design, but like I, nothing's nothing's set up now. So if anyone out there has anything for this little old designer, <laughs> that'll be that'll be greatly appreciated. You heard it here, folks. Uh, James Kokaro, <laughs> the designer so good that AAF chose him to design our logo for our podcast is is actively looking. So hit him up. <laughs> Thank you. James, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us on this first episode of District Forecast. And I also wanted to say thank you so much for your work on these logos. Anyone who's listening to this, you've seen James's work. It's right there on the page. So thanks again for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I hope you guys really love the logo. It's been such an honor working with you all. Bonus content. So normally on the podcast, we'll keep this to about three interviews. However, July is the last month for the call for entries for the Angel Awards, which recognize excellence in public service advertising in the state of Florida and the Caribbean. I just so happened to catch Angel Award chair Mike Weber in a particularly good mood. Thanks for chatting, Mike. Thanks, John. We're in the fourth year of the Angels, and the first big news is that we've officially moved the competition to late summer. We did it last year because the pandemic limited our judging, and the later date was so well-received we decided to make that schedule permanent. It works well to separate it from the American Advertising Awards timeline. Entries are open now through July 30th, and the awards will be presented September 18th during the district conference in Sarasota. And also, due to the unprecedented amount of public service work done in public health and safety this past year, we're awarding special recognition for COVID-19 safety and awareness campaigns. I'll bet you knew I was going there just as soon as I said unprecedented, didn't you? I mean, how could you not? You mentioned the American Advertising Awards. How are the Angels different? The American Advertising Awards is a creative competition recognizing outstanding execution of advertising ideas. The Angels honor the effectiveness of the messaging. Work that wouldn't necessarily be considered cutting-edge creatively can be very effective in serving the public service cause or client. Like a couple of years ago, the Broward County Emergency Management Office received an angel for their communications during a hurricane. It wasn't necessarily creative, but it was a huge effort that kept the public informed during the storm. And it was all done by just a handful of people, too. The other difference you see immediately is that the angels don't have all those media categories. There actually are no categories. If you did public service work for a client, you simply enter it all. You can enter a single piece of work or enter a complete campaign. A campaign is just one entry, but the judges evaluate all the pieces and can award an angel for the campaign and then also award individual elements that stand out as excellent examples of execution 
or just select parts of the entry, like TV or radio spots, print pieces, logos, websites, all the mediums. So multiple awards are possible from just one entry, and actually that's quite common. And additionally, the judges look at the body of work submitted by an entrant for a single cause, but across multiple clients. Last year, a special angel for corporate social responsibility was awarded to Red Advertising and Marketing in Barbados for a breast cancer awareness campaign that was implemented in a variety of ways by several of their commercial clients. One of those pieces had also won a Gold Addy and a Charlie Award for Red. So being creative also pays off. And so how do the judges select Best of Show? This is what sets the Angel Awards apart from other awards. The judges look at the results of the campaigns. Entrants are urged to submit a case study video or a text document that explains what was needed, what was created, and what the results were. So the effectiveness of the public service work is very important. That's what makes it excellent. How well was the need fulfilled? Or as I like to say, how well did you do good? You can see all the winners from 2020 and get more information about the 2021 competition now at theangelaward.com. Public service work that first appeared between January 1st, 2019 and June 30th, 2021 is eligible. The entry deadline is July 30th. Again, that's theangelaward.com. That's going to do it for the inaugural episode of the AAF District Forecast. If you'd like to be interviewed or know someone who should be, let us know at our website, aafdistrict4.org. That wraps up this month's episode of the AAF District Forecast. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for what's new in District 4.